those who are being baptized, make sure that you invite your family and your friends so they can participate in this baptism. It's going to be a great, a great opportunity for you to share your faith in, in what God's already done in you. Amen. Well, Pastor Steve is home th- today. He's recovering from a surgery from last week, and so he asked me to uh, cover the pulpit. And uh, so I'm going to continue in our Nehemiah series, and we are going to look at chapters 7 and 8 today. We're going to combine them. But before we get into that, I just want to kind of review on where we've been. Uh, Nehemiah 1, we talked about the prayer of Nehemiah and the importance of prayer. In Nehemiah 2, we focused on the tools that were needed for rebuilding of the wall. In Nehemiah 3, we focused on the work of the wall, and we talked about how everyone has a job to do. Nehemiah 4 focused on fighting the discouragement that came with preparing the wall. Nehemiah 5, on the struggles with inside of the wall. And then last week, Pastor Steve talked about the tactics of the enemy. And that was so good. We need to be aware of what he's up to so that we can fight against that. But today, we're going to combine chapters 7 and 8, and we're going to just jump right in. In chapter 7, um, we are now into the phase where the wall is complete. It took 52 days, Pastor Steve reminded us last week, it took 52 days for the wall to be complete. Now for guys like me, I can't do anything in even 52 minutes, let alone them 52 days. I can't cook a meal in 52 minutes. I can't get dressed in 52 minutes. Well, I might be able to do that. But these guys, they put 52 days of hard work into this wall and it was done. They sweat, they put their focus, they put their work, they put their concern. And at the end of the 52 days, God put it upon Nehemiah's heart to call them all back together. And we pick that up in Nehemiah 7, verse number 5. It says, Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by the genealogy. And when he called them together, there were a lot of people there. We skip down to uh, verses number 66 through 69. The whole assembly together was 42,360 besides the male and the female servants, of which there were 7,337. Then they had their singers, and then they called their pets. You know, they had their camels and their donkeys and their horses and their mules and all these things. So it was like the, having the entire city of Cyprus come to the square. The entire city of Cyprus with all their cats and dogs and chickens and whatever pets they had, they all came together and they met. And then why did they do that? It's because God had something to say to the people. Nehemiah wanted them to gather there because God had something to say. And that's what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on chapter 8, is what we talk about the Word of God. For the, for the people of Nehemiah, it was the actual book of law that was passed down through Moses. For us, it's the Holy Bible. It's the Scriptures. And so I just want to look into a little more in depth today. But did you know some interesting facts about the Bible? Did you know that it is in 2,800 different languages? Did you know that the Bible, and out of those languages, a hundred of those are English, and English translations. I probably have 50 of those in my office or so. Pastor Jim probably has the other 50. Pastor Steve probably all has all hundred in there. But that's a lot of translations. Did you know that China is the world's largest Bible producer? They've produced over 6 billion Bibles are in print right now. 6 billion Bibles. It's the best-selling book ever. And check this out. It's the most shoplifted book ever. It's the best-selling and the most shoplifted. Crazy. 50 Bibles are sold every minute. Anybody know the most popular translation? The King James Version. Today I want to talk about the importance of the Bible. 
I want to look at Nehemiah and look what they did with the words of God and see how what we should do with the words of God. So I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 8. Today's message is called Rudd. Everybody say Rudd. It'll make sense later, but it's called Rudd. Nehemiah 8, starting in verse 1. It says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. It was the original water gate right there. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early in the morning until midday in the presence of men and then the women and those who could understand. And all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. Skip down to verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for already what you've accomplished in this place, God. And we ask that you would help us to understand your word today, God. That you would open our ears, open our hearts to receive from you, Father. I pray your anointing upon this time of ministry, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So can you picture this scene? All of Cyprus... All of their chickens and cats and dogs, and they all came to one place to hear the Word of God, to have the Word of God read to them. And, uh, you know, I look at that as one massive life group. That's a huge life group that I would, would you, anybody be willing to have that in their house? Anybody want to cook for a life group of 50,000 people? I don't think so. But in Nehemiah chapter 8, there are some practical things that we should be doing. We should be doing, and uh, it, it's all attaining to the book. It's all because of this book. Like I said earlier, uh, in the day, it was the book of law passed down through Moses. For us, it's the Holy Scripture. And just on a side note, here at La Palma Christian Center, we believe that this word is inspired. We believe that this word is infallible, that there's nothing wrong with it. We believe that this is the authoritative written word of God. Amen? In, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We believe that this is fine just the way that it is. We don't have to take away from it. We don't have to add to it. It's powerful the way it is. Here at this body of believers, this church, our pastor, this team, we believe it's complete and I hope that if you're a member of this church, that you stand in agreement with that, that it is a powerful book. Amen. Some will say that Nehemiah chapter 8, the people read the Word of God. What I want to tell you what they did is they read it. They read the Word of God. It's going to make sense. The R stands for read. It stands for read. It's important that we read the book. They read the Word, or they had the, read word, they had the word read to them. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 4. And Ezra the scribe, they stood, he stood on a wooden platform that they made for that purpose. Verse 5, it says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and he had opened it, and the, and the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The people here in Nehemiah's day, they were making reading the Word of God or hearing the Word of God, they were making it a big deal. We need to make it a big deal. 
They built something so that Ezra could stand on top of this and so that he could read the word of God so that people would understand. When he opened the book, people, they stood in appreciation. When he talked about it, they began to praise God for the holy book. They began to get down on their face and begin to worship God for the holy book. It was a big deal for them to get into the law of God. It was a big deal for them to get into the word of God. Let me ask you, is it a big deal for you anymore? Is it a big deal? Or is it just something you have to do? Is it just something mundane? Is it just something off your checklist? Yep, I did that. I read the word. Is it just something that the leadership of the church puts upon you as an expectation? I expect you to read the word. I expect you to do this. Or is it something that you're hungry for? Is it something that you're excited about? The people here were excited now, I'm not saying that you have to go and build a special stand. You don't have to contact Stacy Trotter and have him build you a stand so that you can stand up on it when you read the Bible. You don't have to stand and even do your devotions. You don't have to bow your face down on the ground and, and worship b- before you open the Word. But what you do need to do is you need to have a spirit of appreciation for this book. You need to have a spirit of reverence for this book. You need to have a spirit of thank you, God, for this book. Because this is life. This is power. We need to make it a big deal. We need to get hungry for it. I found this video of a people that got their Bible for the very first time. I want you to take a look at the screen here.
see the passion? Do you see the excitement of, these, of this tribe that received the book, received the Holy Bible? You know, we need to be hungry like that. We need to be excited that we have the opportunity to get into this book. Church, we need to be reading this book. We need to develop a game plan for how we're going to get into the book, how we're going to get into the Bible. There are tons of different Bible reading plans that you can go online and you can check out. There's the chronological order that you can read the Bible from beginning to end. There's a 90-day challenge plan. There's a 52-week plan. There's a busy life Bible plan. There's all kinds of different plans. You've got to have a game plan to get into the Word so that you're reading the Word. I want you to pull out your phones or your iPads. I want you to make sure that you have this. Put this picture up, please. I want you to make sure that you have this app. Make sure that you have that app on your phone. Because that's important. Everyone should have that so that you can get into the Word. Make that a part of your game plan. Make it a big deal. Making it a big deal means that you have a game plan. A few years ago, I, I admit, I don't always have a good game plan. A few years ago was one of those instances where I didn't have a good game plan. I decided, Sonny and I and Reagan was like, let's go on vacation. Let's go to San Francisco. So we just, I didn't make any plans. We just got in the car and we started driving. And uh, my cell phone, I didn't have one of those car chargers, so my cell phone's dying. I got like, you know, 1% left. And, and so we have to pull over, and I have to pull over into a subway, charge my phone, and eat a sandwich just so I know where I'm at. I didn't know where we were at. And, um, but I told her, I'm like, well, let's not stay in San Francisco because, you know, it's kind of expensive. Let's stay in Oakland. And I thought, that's a good place. You know, we'll stay in Oakland. Not a good idea. Not a good game plan. I pull up to this sketchy hotel, and Sonny's like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, we're living by faith. No, we're living by stupidity. You know, praise God, even though I didn't have a game plan, he salvaged our vacation. <laughs> what I'm telling you is you've got to have a game plan or you're going to end up in the ghetto. You're going to end up in a bad place. Get a game plan when it comes to reading your word. You've got to have one. You can't just, some people have this game plan is I'm just going to open up the Bible and I'm going to point to a scripture and that's the scripture for me today. Well, let's just say you are struggling with your spouse. You guys are fighting and, and you're wondering if you should end your marriage and you're struggling. You, you say, okay, I'm going to look to the scripture for the answer. And you look to the scripture and the scripture is Luke 14, 35. And it says, it's of no use either for the soil or the manure pile. Throw it away. He who has ears, let him hear. Oh, Lord, that's, that's, that's from you. No, <laughs> that's not a good game plan. That's not a good game plan. You have to have a good game plan when it comes to reading your word. Do you have a game plan at all? Do you have a certain time of the day that you read? Do you have a certain place that you read? Do you have a certain version of the Bible do you like? Do you have a Bible at all? If you don't, get with one of us, and we'll get you a Bible. But can I tell you, just thinking about reading the Bible is not going to be good enough. It's not going to be good enough. We need to not only read it, but we need to understand it. Rudd, the U is understand. We need to understand what we are reading. Nehemiah 8.8, 8, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. It was a big deal for Nehemiah to, for the, the people to understand what they were reading. So you know what he did? He put people around them that could, that could teach them, that could give them understanding. Back up to verse 7. And go. The Levites 
help the people to understand the law while the people remain in their places. Nehemiah surrounded the people with people that understood the Bible, understood the word of God. Can I tell you this is so practical, something that we need to do. We need to surround ourselves with people that understand this book. We need to surround ourselves with people. We need to begin to pick their brains. Can you tell me what this means? Can you explain that to me? We need to get involved in our life group discussion. We're, we're not just a bystander, but we're a participator. We're asking questions. We're getting involved. We're having things explained to us. If he is Jerry in the room, you need to get with Jerry. Jerry, you could pick his brain. He knows all kinds of scriptures. He's here every Saturday morning just dissecting and pulling apart the scripture with a bunch of guys. It is important that you surround yourself with people that understand the word, that can pour that into you. And you know what? God has blessed us, church. He's blessed us with a pastor that does that for us. He's blessed us with a pastor and Pastor Steve that he clearly opens the word of God. He shares the word of God. He explains it in a way that we can understand it. And can I tell you, praise the Lord, that we've got a pastor that doesn't change things from the scripture. We've got a pastor that doesn't omit things. We've got a pastor that doesn't read over things. He tells it just the way that it is. And if it steps on our toes, it steps on our toes. But I am thankful that we have a pastor that will open this word and give us understanding. Amen? Next time you see Pastor Steve, make sure that you tell him thank you. Thank you for helping me understand this holy book. Thank you. We need to have an understanding. That means that we need to dig a little deeper. That means that we need to dissect the scripture. That means we need to pull it apart. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you an understander? It's a trick question because the answer is yes. You are an understander. But there are two types of understanders. There's a Sunday morning understander, and then there's a Monday morning understander. The Sunday morning understander is the person that can sit in these beautiful chairs on a Sunday morning. They can sit in these chairs on a Wednesday night, and the Bible is being preached, and their understanding is clearly communicated. They get it, but that's the only time that they get it because they're not in the Word any other time. They're not dissecting it themselves. They're not pulling it apart themselves. It's just a checklist for them. But the Monday morning understander, they understand on Sunday, they understand on Monday, they understand on Tuesday. They get it because they are a person of the Word. They get it because they are dissecting the Word themselves. They can't just leave it to chance. They understand that I can't live on two meals a week. I can't live on a Sunday morning brunch for, with Pastor Steve and a Wednesday night supper. I can't live on that. I need more. I need more. You should be in your word every day. We should be dissecting our word every day. We should be reading. We should be understanding because we can't live on two meals a week. How many of you physically are going to live on two meals a week? You're going to get grumpy. You're going to get tired. You're going to get weak. You're going to get crabby. You're going to get all these things. Can I tell you that maybe some of us can get that way spiritually hmm. because we're only eating two meals a week. We're only understanding on Sunday. God wants us to understand on Monday and Tuesday. He wants us to grab a hold of his word. He wants us to read it. He wants us to understand it. But what about those scriptures that I've read 25 times? I've spent hours trying to understand it. I just don't get it. Has anybody read that? Anybody like that? You've read one scripture and like, what is he talking about? I get like that. I'm like, I don't get what's going on. Let me give you some, some steps that you can help that you can use to help understand the scripture. Step one is this. You've got to read in context, which simply means that you have to read the scriptures before and you have to read the scriptures after. 
You can't just pull apart one scripture and, oh, I like that one. That's going to fit my life. Let's look at Psalms 37, verse 4. He will give you the desires of your heart. Ooh, hallelujah. Mm. I have a desire for a Big Mac right now. Lord, I have a desire to sleep in every day. I have a desire to party. I have a desire to rob a bank. I have a desire for this and that. Well, the Bible says that he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Some people read the scripture just like that. They don't read it in context. They don't read before and they don't read after. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. People have to be careful about that. Pastors have to be careful about that. All of us have to be careful about that. Not just picking the scripture that fits the lifestyle that we want to live. We've got to read it in context. If we read it in context, let's put up 37 verse 3. 3 and 4. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. There's a lot of things on that portion of Scripture that you and I have to do. We have to do. We can't just pull apart and say this first. Well, it's gone. He will give you the desires of your heart. We can't just do that. We've got to read before, and we've got to read after. And when we do that, we're going to have a better understanding of the Scripture a better understanding of how to apply it to our lives. Another way that we can understand it a little bit better is read behind the scenes. Read behind the scenes. And what that is, is, you know, get some commentaries out. Get some study books out. I know some of y'all don't like to study. I don't like to study, but I like to, to, I like to dig deeper into the Scripture. I like to understand what am I reading about. So you go online and you type in Strong's Concordance. You can put any verse you want, and it's going to give you Greek and Hebrew and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff that, that you can understand the scriptures. You can dig deeper, understand the way of life, the tradition back in the day. Understand it. That's what we want to do. Grab a Bible dictionary. Grab some study books. How many of you guys were participant, participants on the, on the Revelation study on a Wednesday night where you, you dug in? You ripped apart the book of Revelation and studied it. That's what we need to be doing with the scriptures, understanding. There are some scriptures, there are some messages that I heard as a student. And the pastor get up there and he's spitting and preaching and kicking and doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I, now that, that I'm a pastor, I, I read some of those portions of scripture and I'm trying to prepare messages. I'm like, what did that guy say? Because that's not what the scripture said. You know, as I read a little bit deeper, I understand a little bit more. That's what we have to do. We've got to understand what we're preaching. We've got to understand what we're talking about. See, there's a responsibility for a pastor to share the gospel with his team meeting. But also, there's a responsibility for you. There's a responsibility for all of us to share this in true form, in its true meeting. Get real quiet in here. Mm -hmm. Another way to help you understand, I call it read until. Read until. Sometimes you just got to read until you get it. You just got to continue to be faithful to, to the scripture. Continue to be faithful to the chapter. Sometimes you have to wrestle with it. You have to wrestle with it. This won't be on your notes, but Genesis, I love this, this portion of scripture in Genesis chapter 32. Verse 24, and Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. 
But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Some of us need to get a hold of this word and not let go of it until it blesses you. Some of us need to get into the chapters, get into the verses and say, God, I'm going to stay here for four hours. I'm going to stay here for three days. I'm going to stay here for whatever until this blesses me, until I understand it. We've got to have this determination in us. But some of us, we just get lazy and like we go over. I don't care. I don't understand. I'm going to just move on. No, no, no. We've got to read until. We've got to read until. Because when you do that, when you do that, the scripture gives you answers to your questions. Anybody have a, have a question that you need answered? Look into the book. The scripture gives you wisdom to your dilemmas. If you have a tough situation that you're not sure how to deal with it, get into the book. The scripture, it, it even trains you for your future. The scripture is a light unto your path. The scripture is a, is a tool to correct you when you're wrong. You're, you, somebody calls you out and, and you don't understand. And you're like, God, what is wrong? Why did I do this or what's wrong? And you can look into the scripture and the scripture will correct you. The scripture will show you why and how you did wrong. See, that's what the book is for. That is what it is to guide us. You need a light for your path. I need a light for my path. We need direction for our future. That's what the book does. That's what this holy scripture does for us. We need to understand it. And can I tell you, we need to be excited about it. We need to be eager to understand. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 13. On the second day of the heads of the father's house of the people with the priests and with the Levites, they came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. They couldn't get enough of it. They had to go back the next day because they were excited to understand what's going on. We need to be, get excited to understand what's going on in this book. Get excited to understand what God is trying to show you, what God is trying to reveal to you through his inspired word. See, when we understand, it's going to revolutionize our life. It's going to revolutionize our walk. It's going to revolutionize our family, our jobs. It's going to change us from the inside out. The problem is, is we need to understand it. We need to get in there. We need to dissect it. We need to pull it apart. We need to understand, church. Today we're talking about not reading the word, but read the word. We've got to read. We've got to understand. And we've got to be. We've got to do. We've got to do what the word says to do. We see the people in Nehemiah chapter 8 doing this. They found it. Can we put that scripture up, please? And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and they brought them and they made booths for themselves, each of them on his roof. And in his courts, and in the courts of the house of God, in the square of Watergate, in the square of the gate of Ephraim, and the assembly of the, and all the assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths and lived in the booths. They did what the Scripture said to do. They did what the Book of the Law said to do. We see the progression there. They they heard it, they read it, they understood it. Now they're doing it. They they were to live in booths. So you know what they did. They went out and got the certain material that they were supposed to get, and they made booths, and they lived in the booths. How many times do we know what we're supposed to do? We've read it. We understand it, but we don't always do it. We don't always get to this point over here. We get to station number three. We need to follow their example. 
Because when we do that, that's when we get blessed. That's the most beneficial time for us when we're reading, we're understanding, and now we're applying, we're doing. That's what we need to be doing. But some of us get stuck. I've been guilty of being stuck. I've been guilty of just making reading. Check. That's my routine. I've done it. I've read the Bible. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes I get stuck in just understanding. I've read that. Now I I dissect it. I, I really get it. I understand what God is trying to tell me. Sometimes we get stuck over here in the doing. We just don't, we don't ever make it over here. We get it, we read it, we understand it, but we don't do it. We need to change that mentality. We need to change our mentality that, that I've got to get to the point where I'm doing what the Bible says. I've got to do it because we read and we understand. That's great, but then it becomes action. That's where we need to be, church. We need to be acting on what we're reading, what we're understanding. The people of Nehemiah, they left us a beautiful example. So the question is, why don't we follow that? Why don't we follow that? We don't follow the Scripture always because it gets uncomfortable for us. This Bible can get uncomfortable for us. The Bible says that we're to go into all the world and we're to preach the gospel, we're to share. That can get a little uncomfortable. I, I, I don't want to talk to my neighbor. I don't want to talk to my coworkers. It can get awkward. It can get uncomfortable. But you know what? That's what the Bible says that we need to do. The Bible's not always going to make you comfortable. What God has you do is not always going to make you comfortable, but we need to do it. The Bible says that that we're to lay hands on the sick and pray the prayer of faith and believe and that they'll be healed. But then we we read that, we understand it, but then we get over here to doing it, and I'm like, I don't like to touch people, so I'm not going to do that. I have a fear of touching people. You know, whatever. The Bible says to do it. To do it. It may get uncomfortable. The things you read, the things you understand, the things that God is asking you to do, it may get uncomfortable. It doesn't change the fact that we are to do. We are to do. Some don't do because it costs you something. It costs you something. We read that we're supposed to give. We understand that we're supposed to give a tenth. We're supposed to give our tithe. The Bible even says that we're supposed to give an offering. I get it, but I can't do it. It costs me too much. Sometimes the things in the Bible... It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But it doesn't change the fact that we're to do it. We're to give. We're to give. It's going to cost us something. It may cost you relationships. It may cost you some of your pleasure. It may cost you some of this. It doesn't matter. We're to do it. The Bible says that we're to abstain from the things of the world. The Bible says I'm, is the Bible crazy? I live in the world. How, how can I get away from it? Well, 1 Peter 2.10, it says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The Bible says that we're to abstain from the things of the world. Do you know that when you do that, it's going to cost you something? It's going to cost you relationships. It's going to cost you this. It's going to cost you that. So what? Do the word. Do the word. Do the word. Some of us don't follow through. Because it just doesn't make sense to us. We don't follow what the Bible says because it doesn't make sense. You know, we just talked about understanding God's word. Can I tell you, even though 
Sometimes you'll spend hours and, and try to understand. Some of us in our finite mind, it's just not going to make sense, some of the things that we read. And you know what? God always makes sense. It may not make sense to you, but it, God always makes sense. We have to understand that His ways are higher than our ways. We have to understand that He does things a little bit different. He doesn't have to fit into your perfect box. He's God. He can do whatever He wants. His ways are better than our ways anyways. So sometimes, even though it may not make sense to you, you need to follow Nike's lead, and you just need to do it. Just do it. It doesn't make sense for you to turn the cheek when somebody hits you and give them the other cheek. No, it makes more sense to knock them out, right? That's what some people want to do. But the Bible says to turn the other cheek. It doesn't make sense to bless your enemies. It makes more sense to, to throw dust on them or something. I don't know. Throw dust on them? I don't know what that was. It makes more sense to do something else, but the Bible says to bless them. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to ask God for anything because, you know what, we're not worthy. We're not worthy to say, God, can I have this? God, can I believe in that? God, can I do this? We're not worthy to ask God anything. But yet the Bible says ask. The Bible says to seek. The Bible says to knock, even though we're not worthy. It doesn't make sense, church, but it doesn't change the fact that you and I, we need to do the book. We need to follow the word of God. We need to read it, we need to understand it, and we need to begin to do it. We need to do it. Just think of how your world could change if you read the Word. If you read and understand and do. If you read the Word, just think of how our schools could change. Just think of how this community can change if we read the Word. If we read the Word. I'm going to ask Butler if you can come, or Robin or somebody to come and play behind me, please. I want to read a scripture to you in James chapter 1. Can you put that? James chapter 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, the book, the Bible, that gives us freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. Somebody say doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. Church, we need to read the Bible. We need to get over here and we need to read the Bible. We need to have a game plan. We need to make it priority. We need to make it a big deal. We have to get over here and do this. We have to get to the you. We have to begin to understand what God is trying to show us, what God is trying to do for us, what God is trying to reveal to us through his holy scripture. Because there's wisdom and there's power and there's all kinds of things in this holy book. But church, we have to get over here. We have to get to the do. We have to begin to doing, to do what the word says to do, to go out into the world and to preach, to lay hands on the sick, to turn the other cheek. We've got to begin to do what the book says to do. It's time that we don't read the book. We read the book. We read the book. You know, I've been talking, I've been sharing up in the office just kind of my thoughts on this sermon. And, and I told Pastor and, and Rebecca that I wanted to start a revolution. I want to start a revolution where we are a people that are, we, we read the word. A revolution. How many of you guys be down for a revolution? Where we're reading, we're understanding, we're doing. And so I, I, of course, you know, 
I want to be a little creative, so I had some bookmarks made. And at the back, when you leave, I want you to pick up one of these bookmarks. They just say Rudd. They just say Rudd. But what it is is when you get into the Bible, when you're reading your daily devotion, whether you build a platform and you stand up on it or you bow down your face, whatever you do, you're rudding the Word. Rud the Word. On the back, just so you can be reminded, it says, let's start a revolution. Let's start a revolution. Put this in your Bible. Put this somewhere. And let's begin to change our perspective on the Word of God. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I want you to begin to think, where is your struggle? Is your struggle in reading? Is your struggle in getting a game plan? Is your struggle in making it special? Where is your struggle? Is your struggle in understanding? You don't have people around you that can help you understand. You are only a Sunday morning understander, and you would want to become a Monday morning understander. Is that your struggle? Or is your struggle in the third area of doing? Where is your struggle? I'm asking God that he would show you today. God, show us where we struggle. Show us, God, where we struggle. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to be involved in a revolution. This morning, I want to ask you, if you're, if you're ready to be involved in a revolution, you're ready to look at your word a little bit different, I want you to stand to your feet this morning. If you want to be a part of a revolution, you want to rub the word, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to grab your Bible. Whether that's your phone, whether that's your leather bound, whatever it is, grab your Bible. And just in Nehemiah's day, they praised God for the word. Can we just take just a moment, can we praise God for this holy word? Come on, church, let's praise God for the word this morning. God, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it gives life. We thank you, God, that it brings power. We thank you, God, that it gives us wisdom, God. We thank you that it gives us light to our pathway, God. We give you praise today, God, for your holy scriptures. I pray today, God, that you would help us to join a revolution, God, that we would continue to read, God, that we would continue to understand, and God, that we would be a people that do. God, I pray that you would put it deep into our spirits today, deep into our hearts, deep into our hearts, God. Father, I pray that you would change us. Help us, God, to do something different. Help us to be involved in something different, to read, to understand, and to do. God, we give you praise for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing. Don't, don't just read the Bible. Read the Bible. Put that, I don't know where it's going to, there it is. Don't just read the word. Read the word. Read the word, church. You are dismissed now. Pick up your bookmarks and let's read the word this week. Amen.